Welcome back to Oliver's Insights, part of the Simplifying Investing podcast series. It's great to have you here. A reminder that this podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken your circumstances into account. It's important you consider your personal circumstances and speak to a financial advisor before deciding what's right for you. Any general tax information provided is provided as a guide only. And with that out of the way, here's Shane. Welcome everyone to the latest issue of the Oliver's Insights podcast series. You may recall in the last episode, I talked a little bit about uh, seeing Paul McCartney, which made me kind of happy. Partway through that concert, he referred to the new song coming out on Thursday, and indeed it did. It was the Beatles' new song, Now and Then, uh, which had an amazing story as to how it uh, finally got released. I always thought Real Love would be the last uh, Beatles song, but now we've got another last Beatles song, hopefully. Despite that, there will be more because this one I thought was really good. Anyway, this week we're going to have a look at the Reserve Bank's latest decision, unfortunately for many, to raise interest rates. As you've probably heard, the Reserve Bank raised its cash rate by another 0.25%, taking it to 4.35% at its November meeting. The Reserve Bank did retain a tightening bias, underpinned by relatively hawkish commentary in its post-meeting statement, but it modified or softened its tightening bias somewhat, which I guess might be seen as good news for many. The move to hike rates again was in line with the consensus of economists and our own view, although I did think it would be a close call and indeed up until a few weeks ago, thought that the Reserve Bank had finished tightening. The money market prior to the move had priced in about a 60% probability of a rate hike. The decision to hike is consistent with hawkish commentary from the RBA in the last few weeks and of course higher than expected inflation and of course after those two things I think many weren't surprised that they moved again at their November meeting. And indeed, the Reserve Bank lived up to its reputation because, of course, the November board meeting was held on Melbourne Cup Day and they have a history of making interest rate moves both up and down on Melbourne Cup Day. What's more, they clearly see higher than expected inflation that we saw in the September quarter as being material, given references to that word that Michelle Bullock, the new governor, had made in the run-up to the meeting. And of course, by raising rates, despite what I think was a bit of political pressure to not raise rates. The Reserve Bank has reinforced its inflation-fighting credentials and, of course, the independence of the RBA under new Governor Michelle Bullock. The resumption of rate hikes after a four-month pause adds to what is already the biggest interest rate hiking cycle, which amounts to 13 rate hikes, totaling 425 basis points over 17 months since the late 1980s. And, of course, that episode in the late 1980s, which, of course, was very early in my career, I was a little bit younger back Back then, that episode preceded the early 1990s recession that the treasurer at the time said we had to have. While interest rates are still much lower today than back in the late 1980s, the risks to the household sector are arguably much higher now because household debt to income levels or ratios are three times greater than they were in the late 1980s. The rise in the cash rate is likely to be passed through to bank mortgage rates, which will take them to levels last seen in 2008. So we're looking at 15-year highs or thereabouts in mortgage rates. Now, of course, for some who managed to lock in at sub-2% fixed rate, a couple of years back. As those fixed terms mature, they'll find themselves moving on to rates which are maybe at least three times what they were paying, sometimes four times greater. So quite a hike in mortgage rates is the bottom line over the last uh, little period since May of last year. In resuming rate hikes, the Reserve Bank noted that since the August board meeting, when it last revised its economic forecasts, the risks of higher for longer inflation have increased. While growth has slowed, it has been stronger than expected. Labor market conditions have eased, but are still tight, and home prices are continuing to rise. Now, they had made a reference to home prices in the minutes from their last meeting, 
meeting where they'd observed that the strength in the property market as evident in rising prices suggestive that maybe monetary policy isn't as tight as they'd been assuming and perhaps that is now starting to concern them. In particular, in a broader sense, the Reserve Bank has noted that while inflation is falling, it's still too high and proving to be more persistent than the Reserve thought would be the case back in August. With, of course, many services sector prices rising briskly, everything from the cost of looking after your pet to getting your hair done to paying rents. As a consequence, it has revised up its inflation forecast for the end of next year to 3.5% from 3.25% and appears to have revised up its end 2025 inflation forecast to the top of the 3% to the 3% range. In other words, they revised it up to what appears to be around 3% from previously 2.75%. It also revised down the expected rise in unemployment to 4.25% from 4.5%. As such, it clearly regards the upwards revision to its inflation forecast as material and something that it warned it would have no hesitation in raising rates again in response to, which of course is what they've done. The RBA remains concerned that higher for longer inflation will boost inflation expectations, making it even harder to get inflation back down to target down the track. As a result, the board judged that an increase in interest rates was warranted to be more assured that inflation would return to target in a reasonable time frame. In noting, and I quote here again, that there are still significant uncertainties around the outlook, end quotes, today's decision is likely to have been another close call, with the board also considering the case to remain on hold, but decide that the stronger case was to raise rates again. Interestingly, the RBA softened somewhat its tightening bias by replacing the wording, some further tightening of monetary policy, i.e. rate hikes, may be required to ensure that inflation returns to target in a reasonable time frame, with a slightly softer wording which read something like, whether further tightening of monetary policy is required, all depends of course on the economic data. But it's still a tightening bias, and it's been underlined by relatively more hawkish language in its post-meeting statement compared to last month. On my count, there were 12 notable statements or comments which seemed more hawkish than we saw in October. Now, of course, the Reserve Bank may argue, well, it's responded to that increased hawkishness and therefore it doesn't necessarily mean anything about the future outlook. But nevertheless, one could argue that it's leaning right here, right now, at least when it put the statement out, was somewhat more hawkish than was the case back in October. And of course, the Reserve Bank after that forward guidance effectively reiterated that whatever it does on interest rates, whether it hikes or leaves them on hold in future meetings, will depend on how the economic data evolves. And it will continue to look closely at the global economy, domestic demand, inflation and the labour market. Now, we would concede that the near-term risk of another rate hike is high, particularly with still high inflation, the risk that higher petrol prices will add to inflation expectations and some signs of a pickup in wages growth. Our assessment is that the risk of another hike is around 40%. Key to watch ahead of the December board meeting as to whether whether there will be another rate hike will be, of course, September quarter wages data, which is due on the 15th of November, October jobs data, which is due on the 16th of November, and retail sales and monthly inflation data due later this month. However, our assessment remains that the RBA has already done more than enough to slow the economy in order to rebalance demand and supply and bring inflation back to target. Rate hikes impact 
the economy with a long lag as it takes a while for the hikes to be passed through to borrowers and for them to adjust their spending. This time around, the lag has been lengthened by savings buffers built up in the pandemic, the reopening boost, more than normal home borrowers locking in at 2% or so fixed mortgage rates in the pandemic and the highly competitive mortgage market, which has meant that actual mortgage rates paid on outstanding mortgages have gone up by less than the cash rate has. I think the latest gap is 60 or 70 basis points less and of course, that is largely explained or partly explained by people phoning up their bank and saying, can I get a better deal? However, these protections are now wearing off. The buffers are getting run down. The reopening boost is probably well behind us. Um, the market has become a little less focused on market share or that it's the mortgage market is less focused on market share. And of course, we've seen many of those on fixed rates rolling over, although there's still a fair way to go on that. Consistent with all of this, mortgage interest payments as a share of household income are already on their way to a record high as past rate hikes flow through. And today's move will accentuate this. The latest 0.25% rate hike will mean an extra $100 a month in additional debt servicing payments on a $600,000 loan and would take the total increase since April last year to an extra $1,400 a month in terms of mortgage payments or on an annual basis up to $17,000 a year extra in mortgage payments. Now, of course, that's in post-tax earnings. On a pre-tax basis, you would have to get a very big wage rise to cover that. Even if a borrower has secured a 0.5% cut to their mortgage rate, their payments would be up an extra $14,900 a year since April last year. And the RBA's own analysis points to around one in seven households with a mortgage already being cash flow negative. In other words, where their income is less than their essential living expenses and their mortgage payments. And of course, that statistic will likely have now increased further. And of course, those people are under intense pressure, absolute pressure, to cut back their discretionary spending and also wind down some of their essential living expenses and perhaps draw down their savings if they have savings less or rely on other means. So an increasing amount of households are likely now facing mortgage stress. This will mean a big hit to household spending power, which remain whether rates have stopped rising or not. While the data is noisy, we are seeing ongoing evidence that rate hikes are biting, with real per-person retail sales down 4% on a year ago, a sharp fall in building approvals from their highs, slowing business investment plans, a slowdown in GDP growth, and job vacancies being well down from their highs. And of course, job vacancies have fallen for five quarters in a row. And combined, all of this is likely to continue to bear down on underlying inflationary pressures. So don't forget that when you raise interest rates, you don't get a direct impact on inflation. The bulk of the impact, in fact, comes through the indirect effect that higher interest rates have on in terms of reducing demand. While high petrol prices are a concern, the rise in petrol prices since mid-year in the context of stretched household budgets is more likely to act as a tax on spending rather than as a further impetus to underlying inflation. We think that continuing to raise interest rates will only add to the already very high risk of unnecessarily knocking the economy into recession next year. So while the risk of another near-term rate hike remains high, it's not our base case, but that risk is certainly there and remains high, and we have been too optimistic on rates, our base case is that rates have peaked and that the cash rate will gradually start to fall through the second half of next year. Given the lags involved and the increasing signs that monetary tightening is working, it makes sense for the RBA to remain on hold so it can better assess the impact of rate hikes so far and, of course, its latest move. And finally, in relation to the property market, the latest rate hike, along with the fear of more to come, adds to the risk that high interest rates are starting to get the upper hand again in the property market after gains this year on the back of the housing supply shortfall in the face of booming immigration levels. And it's noteworthy that 
Auction clearance rates look to have peaked in May in Sydney, for example, at around 75%. They've been trending down. They're currently pushing around the mid-60s, and that's already pointing to a loss of momentum in home price growth, given that there is quite a close correlation between auction clearance rates and the rate of monthly growth in home prices. So that's quite clearly pointing down. I think in Sydney, historically, anything below 60% in terms of auction clearance rates is often associated with falling property prices on a monthly basis. In Melbourne, it's something like below 55% or thereabouts is consistent with falling prices. And we have been uh, progressively heading in that direction. As you may recall from the last podcast I did in relation to the property market, our base case is that prices price growth slows down, but I did point out there is a very high risk that higher interest rates or high interest rates will get the upper hand again, resulting in another leg down in prices. And that risk probably increased a little bit as a result of the November rate hike. Anyway, I hope that's been of value. Until we meet again, adios. To keep up to date with Dr. Oliver and the Simplifying Investing podcast series, be sure to subscribe to your favourite streaming platform. 